it, it is kind of like at the beginning of when you're like thinking about it and considering it, it's like, okay, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, but when you just put fear aside and you think about women have been doing this for so long and our bodies were literally designed to do this. And if left alone, most, most cases, you know, I'm not saying there's never a place for intervention, but the body can do what it, what it was made to do without, without anybody needing to intervene. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What surprised you most about your home birth? Was it the way you vocalized during your surges? Or maybe it was how incredibly accomplished you felt afterward? Or was it the number of babies that you gave birth to? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 133 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking to Elizabeth Parsons, who really brought the surprise factor to her fourth birth and first home birth. I can't wait to get into her story, but before we do, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Baby Trend, and the Cover Me 4-in-1 Convertible Car Seat. I opted to skip the newborn car seat with my second daughter, and this car seat is so unique in that it addresses the number one complaint by experienced mothers, sun in your baby's eyes. The Cover Me seat is able to do this with its integrated canopy that offers height adjustability, ratcheting coverage, and side sun protection. The Cover Me has a usage rating from 4 to 100 pounds, so you can install it for your infant and adjust it as your child grows, from rear-facing to forward-facing, all the way up to belt-positioning booster. It's got a recline system that allows your child to find a comfortable position, and it's designed to take up a limited amount of space even in the rear-facing position. And it's got some super cool features that help make life easier for mom and kiddo, including a no-twist harness indicator, a no-rethread harness, and a comfort cabin, which is its multi-layered padding system, letting your baby or child feel snug and secure. So go to babytrend.com forward slash O-S-S-A and use the code COVERME20 for your new convertible car seat. Also, if you're finding value in this show, would you take a moment to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a hopefully five-star rating and review? It's an easy, free way to help support the show and of course, share it with your friends. All right, I don't want to leave you hanging with these surprises for too long. Let's jump in. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and the show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. I would love it if you could just take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners. <laughs> Absolutely. So I am Elizabeth Parsons. I uh, am a pediatric nurse uh, by trade, but in 2020, I left um, the hospital setting uh, and came home to be with my my kiddos. We uh, recently moved out to the Texas Hill Country and got some acreage. And so we've just kind of um, jumped feet first into homesteading. And uh, we also homeschool our oldest two. And um, I have five kiddos to Total. And uh, my, my husband and I have been married for, uh, 
I feel like after 10 years, it's just like, how many years has it? It's 12 years, 12 years, I think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I also um, have an Instagram uh, over at Purely Parsons. And my passion there is just empowering moms to uh, my, my motto is kind of, it's not something I've came up with, but question the status quo is my, is my passion is just to, to question things, to do your research. Don't just take things for face value. Even, even what I say, don't just take what I say for face value, do your own research. And so that is my, my biggest passion over there. Um, and birth is, is a huge part of that passion as well. I love hearing that. That is incredible. Um, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about this, uh, The fact that you started out as a pediatric nurse, so you're, you know, you are so used to the hospital when it came to having your uh, first couple of kids, was there any question of where you would give birth or how you would give birth? So actually, yeah, um, I, I am a researcher by nature. And so even being a pediatric nurse, I still did my research and, um, I had a sister-in-law who had natural births and my husband's, um, family, his mom had eight kids and she had them all naturally, um, or most of them naturally. And so it was kind of something that was just presented to me. And I never questioned wanting to attempt to do it naturally. It was just kind of, okay, what route do I want to take? Because there's a lot of different ways that you can have a natural birth and by natural, I'm I mean, unmedicated, um, all birth is natural, right? It's <laughs> every, even if you have an epidural, it's still, it's still, you're pushing, pushing a baby and it's natural, but, um, there's a lot of different ways that you can get there. And so I knew for my first baby, I, I was kind of still in that mindset and that transition. I've been on this journey for like seven years. And so that was kind of the beginning of my journey. Um, and so back then I was like, I, I don't want a home birth. Uh, that scares me. Um, but I would love to do this uh, with as little intervention as possible. And so the kind of happy medium for that in that for me was, was doing it at the hospital, but with a little bit more of a natural doctor. And I just went, I just used the same doctor that my sister-in-law used and was able to, to do it successfully in the hospital. And she was, she was a great kind of like bridge for me. Uh, and I don't, I don't regret using her there. There are some things about that birth that I wish that I could go back and change obviously. Uh, but it was kind of a good introduction into this whole journey for me. And so I did have my first, uh, at a hospital, um, actually my first three, uh, without, uh, without an epidural. And so, and that doctor, was that a a, a traditional OB or was she like a family doctor? She was, so she was a traditional OB, uh, and she birthed my first two children. And then for my third, I said, no, well, for my third, we had moved. So we started out in Missouri and had my first two children in Missouri. And then we, we moved and I really wanted to have a birth center birth for my third one. I, I really pushed for a birth center birth for my second, but, um, I guess I'll just kind of explain. So with my first, you know, due date, right. So I really hate that term. It should be due. It should be due month or like, you know, due time. Um, we should not give a specific date. I feel like this is such a mind game, especially for first time moms, because babies come when babies are ready and we're so stressed out at the end anyway, like with just with how we're feeling and 
naturally your body is giving you signals that labor is coming. It's, you know, it's, it's getting to the end. You're getting super uncomfortable. Like if you've, if you've been in this position, you know, and so to have like a specific date is such a mind game. And then you get to that date and nothing happens. And I think there is a statistic out there. I don't know what it is, but a lot of moms go past their due date. A lot of first time moms go past their due date. Um, and I apparently have 41 and 41 and one or yeah, I think it's 41 and one is the average. Yeah. And so, and not everybody doesn't know that and it's not told to these moms. And so, uh, you know, it's like, we get to that date and our body has failed us, which is not true at all. Um, and so I, I was a first time mom and, uh, I, I, I knew that I was probably going to go to my due date, but the due date came and went and my daughter was still cozy inside my belly and 41 weeks came and went and she was still cozy inside my belly. And I did have a traditional OB. And so she started talking about, you know, okay, what's going to happen if, you know, 42 weeks comes and I was getting the frequent ultrasounds to, you know, to the, to strip, to test, you know, make sure everything was good, just constant, um, intervention, even though it was like, you know, it, it wasn't invasive necessarily, but it's still intervention. You're still having to go in to the, the hospital, like multiple times a week. And that's just stressful in and of itself. All these trips to the hospital, all this worrying about, is there enough fluid? Like, it's just when you take kind of a step back and looking at it, it's, it, it truly is just not giving the woman space to let her body do what it was made to do. And so, um, I was just kind of going along with, um, what she was recommending for me to do as far as, uh, uh, ultrasounds and stuff, uh, just so that I could kind of do this as natural as possible for birth. Mm -hmm. And then around, I was almost 42 weeks. I went, so it was 10 days past my due date. And, uh, I had that ultrasound and she said, okay, you know, your, your fluid is, is a little bit less than, um, where we want to see it. And so she recommended induction. And at that point, it, it, you are at such a, you are at such a mentally stretched place that I feel like I was influenced way easier than I would have been if, um, you know, you had asked me about that, like halfway into my pregnancy. And so she said, you know, we, we, we recommend induction. And so I went home and we got our stuff and we went back to the hospital and they started a pit at around 4 PM. And I had honestly an angel of a nurse and I would not have been able to make it through that birth without this nurse. Um, I'm convinced of it because, um, I had back labor and if you've ever had Pitocin, if any of your listeners have ever had Pitocin, you know, it's synthetic, right? It's the synthetic version of oxytocin. That is what stimulates that contractions. But Pitocin being the synthetic form does not it doesn't act this, exactly the same way. Um, you don't get any breaks. Uh, you don't get that reprieve of uh, the natural kind of surges, the waves that come with natural contractions. Mm-hmm. And being able to have my second daughter um, without Pitocin, I was able to kind of see in hindsight, like, wow, how different it is. Right. So 18 hours of labor for that first baby, uh, back labor, my husband, so <laughs> I know, um, that, that I think is, is an anatomy thing for me. Cause I've had it with all of my babies, but, um, 
So 18 hours of, they, I actually made them turn the Pitocin off at a certain point and just let my body kind of see what it, see what it did. So I didn't have Pitocin the whole time, but I had it enough to know how painful it was with it. Um, and so I went, I went into the hospital, started the Pitocin at 4 PM and my daughter was born the next morning at 11 AM. Um, I pushed for like five minutes. So that was great. Um, but at the same time, it, it just did not look how I wanted it to look. You know, I didn't want the, I didn't want the IV. I didn't want the constant checking, the monitoring, the, you can't sleep, you can't rest. You can't do any of this because you constantly have people coming in. And, and this is not a knock on, on nurses or, you know, I am a nurse and I get it. I, we have, we have, um, expectations that we that are placed on us as a as a, a registered nurse that we have to be checking on our patients you know i'm not a labor and delivery nurse but i'm a pediatric nurse and, and i do have to go into my patient's room every so often but the hospital in general is not a place for healing and it is not a relaxing place and so it was just kind of not i wouldn't say it was a traumatic birth by any means but it just was not the birth that i was really hoping for and um when it came time to deliver my second baby or when it came time to figure out what I was going to do for my second baby, I, I was more open to a birth center at that point, but I said, I think I convinced myself in my mind, just, I let fear kind of take over. And I was like, okay, what if I switch? So I would have had to switch uh, providers to do this. It was a birth center attached to a hospital. Mm -hmm. And if you have any intervention, like if you have to get induced, if, you know, obviously any, if you, if you want pain medicine or anything of that, you have to go to the hospital side. And so I was kind of like talking myself out of it because I was like, what if I go past my due date again and they have to induce me, I'm just going to have to go up to the hospital to a provider that I've never met that I don't, you know, who knows if I'm going to like them or not. Whereas I did like my OB from the first birth. She was, she was pretty hands-off for the most part. And so I kind of talked myself out of doing the birth center at this different hospital. And so my second baby was born again at a hospital, but I went into labor naturally at 41 weeks on 41 weeks on the day. And it was beautiful. It was, it was so perfect. Just the way that everything happened and not having, um, not having that intensity of the, the Pitocin. I, I have a picture of myself in labor with my second daughter and I, I'm like eight centimeters, like in transition, like just smiling. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it was in between contractions because you have that break and it was just such a different experience. Um, and I loved it. I, I really don't have any, anything that like sticks out in my mind about her birth that was like, oh, that was, that was not the way I wanted it to be, but still, um, the, just the hospital model of birth is very intervention heavy and very, um, not conducive to allowing the mother and the baby to, to relax and to bond. And even after, I would say that the main thing that I, I have issues with, with my births was postpartum. Um, you are just constantly being bothered and talked to and poked and prodded. And it's like, just leave me alone. Like, I just right. want to be with my baby in my bed. I just want to, to bond with them. And again, I want to be very clear. I am not knocking. If this, if you have listeners that are in the medical system that are nurses, I get it. I totally right. get it, but it is not the way it should be. I, it, there needs to be like a total revamp of, of the maternity care system mm -hmm. in America, at least. And so, um, we moved and when my, and all along this journey, I am, I am 
in increasingly doing my research, becoming more aware of interventions that I didn't want for my babies. Um, I guess I really don't like the term crunchy, but becoming more, uh, <laughs> just, just more aware and more, more of a researcher along the way. And so I'm learning all these things. And so by my third baby, um, we had moved to Texas and I was like, I want a birth center. And I fought, I fought for probably the first 30 weeks of that pregnancy with my insurance company. And they would not cover a birth center birth for him. Uh, and, and I, I actually didn't find out what he was. We, he was a surprise. He was our first boy and he was a surprise, but they would not cover it. I, I did all, I did the tours of the birth center. I, I did tours of like all the birth centers in our area. I had the the midwives that I wanted. I was so excited. And I was like, this is what I want. This is amazing. I spent countless hours on the phone with the insurance company, sent in all the paperwork and they declined it. Um, which doesn't make any sense. It's like, I'm trying to save you money. Like it's cheaper for me to do this at a birth center, but they just me help you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. They don't want to do that. They want you to be in the system where you could, I don't know, but, uh, so I picked kind of like my best, uh, and, and I think the, the main reason they wouldn't cover it is because there was a, a hospital in the area that I lived in that had midwives that birthed mm-hmm. in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were still very clinical. It was, it was kind of like a, it was a, a negotiate, you know, it was kind of meeting in the middle with my insurance company, but it was just not, it still, it was very clinical. It was, a um, it was like, a hospital. Yeah. It was a hospital. And I chose this hospital because they did have birthing tubs, not birthing tubs. They had tubs in the, in the birthing rooms. So you couldn't do a water birth, but that was one thing because the previous two births with my back labor, I didn't have a tub and I wanted a tub, but all they had was a shower. And that is just not the same thing. And so I was like, I want a tub that is non-negotiable. And so this was the only hospital that had that. And even still rolling up to the delivery room, they were like, I, I had told them, I was like, I, I want a room with a tub. And they wheeled me into a room without a tub. And I was like, hello, this is my <laughs> third child. I know my body. It's almost like you say you're going natural and they're just like, oh, okay, that's cute. You know, like they just don't, they don't listen to you. And they wheeled me into this room and I'm like, no, I need my tub. And so I had to advocate for myself a little bit there. And so they wheeled me into into the room with the tub and it was great. Um, but even then my midwife and that birth was super fast. I got to the hospital at five, you know, I stay, I stay at home as long as I can with all of my births, um, outside my first one because I got induced, but, um, I got the hospital at five and he was born in the seven, seven o'clock hour. And so it was, it was quick, but even then my midwife was, um, she wanted to break my water. And I was like, why are you? No, like, (laughs) I would like my cushion to stay as long as it can, can possibly stay. Thank you very much. I'm having back labor. I don't want you to break my water and make this happen faster. And that, um, actually saying that reminded me with my second daughter, my water was broken and, um, she had the cord wrapped around her neck. Mm -hmm. And I think that was why, um, because they break the water and they descend so quickly. And I think the way that she was positioned, the cord just got wrapped around her neck. She was fine. But um, again, intervention begets intervention. And so uh, it's kind of like this cascade of interventions. Once you, once you do one, it's just like back to back to back to back. Sometimes it's like a snowball effect. Um, 
And so I told her, no, I don't want you to break my water. And I was in the tub and I was in heaven. I was like, this is amazing. Like, I'm just relaxed. Even in transition, I was just so relaxed and so just like in the zone and was able to just like vocalize everything. And, and I haven't even mentioned my husband throughout all of this. My husband is an, an amazing birth partner. Um, I didn't have a doula with any of my births. Not that I don't recommend people having doulas. It's just not it. It just isn't for us. We, right. we kind of like our own birth space. Um, and he birth actually really stresses him out. Um, he doesn't enjoy the process at all, but he is such an amazing support system out. Like regardless of that, it's, it's so stressful for him, but he is still there in it, you know? And so just to have another presence there just is not kind of for us, but I would, I do highly recommend people to look into doulas because they can be such a good, a good support system. If that works for you. Um, Yeah. And so I, I was, I started to push in the tub and people were freaking out. They were like, no, no, you have to, you have to get out. You have to get out. And so they got me in the bed and, you know, just the, the maternal model of today's care is, you know, the way that I think it was actually a male doctor who decided that women needed to push on their backs, which is Mm -hmm. just absolutely ridiculous. I was like, can I, can I move? I don't really want to be on my back. And they were like, this is, this is the best for the position that, that the baby is in. And so I, you know, I pushed him out and he was, he was fine. Um, and it was fine. But then, you know, just the typical, um, postpartum experience of having to stay in the hospital and just, crappy food. Uh, that's another thing. Food is so huge, um, postpartum for, for healing, uh, and food, hospital food is so awful. It's so awful for, for that period, uh, for anybody really. I mean, especially being a pediatric nurse, I'm like, these kids are eating like jello cups and like high fructose corn syrup and processed, like, you know, it's just, that's a whole nother conversation, but a side of red food dye. That's exactly, exactly. I'm like, how is this healing? Yeah. My kids are just so fine on red food dye. Like, (laughs) no, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So, oh man. So yeah, that was, that was kind of my hospital experience. And, And I'm sure there's people that have great hospital experiences and I didn't necessarily, like I said, have traumatic ones, but I just knew I wanted something different. So those were, that's, that's kind of my first three births. Um, So, yeah, and I totally can see the balance of like, you know, it, it wasn't traumatic, you know, you, it, it was okay, but there were just these kind of undermining things that occurred. Like, I mean, just this concept of like, oh, she's pushing in the water, like, get out, get out, get out, hurry. Like, mm-hmm. why, why, mm-hmm. why? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, okay. So you've had these experiences, you've been learning all along. You wanted a birth center birth with your third baby. So fourth pregnancy comes around and what is that like and how does that change? Yeah. So we, uh, we got pregnant and it was a complete surprise. Uh, we actually found out we were pregnant after we had made an offer on the the house that we're in now, um, that, we were already like, how are we going to fit all of our kids into this home? Uh, cause it's a, it's, it was a down, it was, it was, um, going less square footage and let it was two bedrooms. And we had three kids at that point. Um, and just, it's funny kind of the way that the Lord works. Like we had three kids and we were wondering how we were going to fit them in. And now we have five kids and we're fitting it in and it's fine. But, uh, so we found out we were pregnant after we had made the offer on this house and, moved out here and 
at this point I am, I mean, this was 20, the beginning of 2020. Like I am, I have my platform now I have, um, the knowledge and there, and then also, you know, enter coronavirus. Uh, I was like, there's no way I am doing this at a hospital. Like, absolutely not. We're going to pay out of pocket what we need to pay out of pocket, like start saving now. Like I'm not doing this at a hospital. And my husband was like, okay. Uh, and so did that mean a birth center? Did that mean home birth? We didn't know, but I think just over time, it just became clear to me, like, this baby is going to be born at home and this is what I want. And my husband, um, I think home birth, even, uh, with the first few kit with the first few of our kids kind of did scare him. And I think it even, even at that point with how natural my husband is, it, it is kind of like at the beginning of when you're like thinking about it and considering it, it's like, okay, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, but when you just put fear aside and you think about women have been doing this for so long and our bodies were literally designed to do this. And if left alone, most, most cases, you know, I'm not saying there's never a place for intervention, but the body can do what it, what it was made to do without, without anybody needing to intervene. And so we just kind of both came to the conclusion, like, okay, we're going to do a a home birth. And so I, I interviewed some midwives and, um, I was excited. I was like, so excited to not have to lug three kids to the hospital for all of my OB appointments. You know, my midwife came to my house for my appointments. Uh, and, and even if I would have had to like go to her, it's still, it's just having a a midwife like that, that is outside of the clinical setting is just such a different experience. She was here for like an hour each time and solely focusing on me. Whereas you go and you wait an hour and see the doctor for 15 minutes, you know, that whole model. She was, she was attentive. She, she was in tune. She was asking me about my nutrition. She was at the, it was just the whole experience of prenatal care with a home birth midwife was just 180 from the hospital. And I was just so, so excited. And, um, just like, just looking forward to having that, that water birth that I had always dreamed of that home birth that I had always dreamed of. And so, yeah, just the prenatal, prenatal care was, was amazing. Well, when we think about that prenatal care, I mean, no wonder things are so different at home, you know, no wonder outcomes are so, so good time and time again, because like you said, this midwife knows you. She knows like, okay, well, what is Elizabeth eating? Does she need a little bit more protein? You know, could she, you know, she understands what is going on with you and your baby. And that's so different from the hospital model of in and out, like any nausea, vomiting, blurry vision. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. See you next you know, month. Exactly. Yeah. Just kind of like the conveyor belt of the same, same questions. You know, they have the specific amount of people that they have to see each day. And, and that's kind of how it's set up. And it's not, it's not even necessarily their fault. That's just kind of the system that they've been placed into and they just have to go along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew I didn't want that. And I'm so thankful that I chose differently for, for this birth. That's incredible. So, so this prenatal, it's our, this prenatal experience, this pregnancy experience sounds like it was so positive in the aspect of your care. Was there, what was the rest of your pregnancy like? Um, I was very, very uncomfortable. Uh, 
I had a lot of not, I, I've never like, I've never been, I, I hesitate saying this because everybody's going to be like, you suck, but yeah. I've never been like a thrower upper. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have nausea and, um, you know, morning kind of all day sickness, but I never actually throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm fortunate in that way, but this pregnancy was just like, everything was just kind of intensified. I was more nauseous. I had zero energy, zero motivation to take care of my children. I was basically like laying on the couch, um, a lot of days just because I just had, I was, I, it was almost kind of like a, um, I don't want to say depression. That's a little, that's a little, um, kind of dramatic, but I I was, I was just feeling very different this, this pregnancy. And, you know, in hindsight, I know why now it was because I was, there was two that I was growing. Um, but it was just so intensified from all of my other pregnancies. And I just kind of attributed it to like, okay, I'm older. I mean, I'm not old by any means I'm 32, but, uh, you know, I'm older than when I had my first baby at 25. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit heavier. I have, you know, there's just a lot going on. We had just moved and, um, taking care of three kids and homeschooling. And so I kind of just attributed it to all of that. And, and none of my symptoms were super different, um, outside of just those things that I mentioned, I didn't have like, uh, I wasn't any bigger. Like I, I didn't have any more kicks necessarily. Um, and so, but yeah, the, the pregnancy was very smooth. It wasn't, I didn't have anything major come up. I did my own glucose testing at home. Um, and it was just so nice to be able to, to express things to my midwife and her be like, yeah, like, that's great. That's you, whatever your body is telling you to do, like you trust your body, um, to not feel it, you know, like with my mid, with my midwives in the hospital that I birthed my third baby with, um, they were like, well, if you choose to not do the glucose test where you're, you're going to have to find a different provider. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I just told them that I did it and just drank grape juice on the way to the hospital. Like, I'm like, I don't play that game. I'm sorry. Like you can't tell me like I've done, I, even with my OB, she let me do alternatives to the glucose test. I'm not drinking the glucola drink with the, the BVO flame Mm -hmm. retardant in it and 50 grams of sugar that, you know, I don't normally sit down and drink 50 grams of sugar in five minutes. Like, why would I do that to my baby? And so my midwife, um, for my home birth, just let me, um, test, uh, over a period of like three to four days with normal meals. I didn't have to like shove a chocolate bar in my mouth or eat 28 jelly beans in five minutes. And, um, I tested with just a home glucometer, which is an option and everything was great. Um, I was on track. I was measuring how I measure, which I usually, I am a, I'm, I'm not a petite girl. I am almost five, nine and very broad. And so I've always measured ahead with my babies. And so that was the case with this pregnancy. Uh, heartbeat was always good. Uh, it was just a very smooth pregnancy besides Mm. just being super exhausted and, you know, more nauseous in the beginning. Right. And that, that additional exhaustion can definitely, you know, once you've got a couple of kids to look after, it's like, okay, well that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. just exhausted. Like, yeah what it is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about this flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I am very curious how okay. this all unfold. Yeah. So, um, I, so ultrasounds, um, 
I have typically with previous pregnancies gotten the anatomy ultrasound. That's mm-hmm. just the one at the beginning or at the 20 week mark. And with this one, I wasn't necessarily like against doing that. I, I do think that as a whole, women get too many ultrasounds. We, you know, we really don't know the safety behind ultrasounds and it's the, the Doppler or the, um, the wand that they're using. It's, it's heating up that water. That is how it gives you the the image. And so what are the effects of that? We don't really know. Why do babies always move away from the, the, the Dopplers and the ultrasound wands? Like, you know, it's just things that we need to think about. And so I was being mindful of that. And like, I don't, you know, I knew I didn't want a ton, but I wasn't, necessarily saying like, oh no, I don't want any at all. But again, with coronavirus and everything that was happening, I knew I was just like, I just honestly don't want to deal with it. Like for me, the old, the anatomy scans are never really about like finding out if something's wrong with my baby, because regardless, like we're going to love that baby. And we, we kind of like, you know, people are like, well, what if something's wrong? And they, they, don't know until birth. And I'm like, well, then they'll handle it at birth. You know, it's just, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I trust the Lord. And I, I, um, I don't know. I just doesn't stress me out. So, um, it's not really ever been about like finding out if anything's wrong. It was kind of just for the first two, finding out the gender. And then, but with this baby, uh, we found out the gender via blood test Mm -hmm. at 13 weeks. So we already knew the gender. Um, and, I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with lugging three kids to the hospital, having to wear a mask and laying down for an hour and having them, you know, stress out about being able to get all the shots of whatever they need to get at, you know, get, because if they can't get all the shots that they need, then you have to come back. And it's just, I just was just like, I don't have, I don't, I just don't have the mental capacity to deal with this in the coronavirus virus world. Uh, So I skipped it and my midwife was fine with that. Um, And so the pregnancy progressed and I got to the end and I was, um, my, towards the end of my pregnancy, my hips just felt like they were going to crack. They were, it was so painful. And, uh, again, I was still measuring a couple weeks ahead, but that was pretty, pretty typical. But at 40 weeks, I was measuring three weeks ahead. And that was, um, that was bigger than I had been with my previous pregnancies. And, and there was just, I mean, I was just, I was bigger and I was more uncomfortable and we had kind of joked around like, Oh, what if there's two in there? And she had like, she palpated, she couldn't feel two. She never heard two on the Doppler, even when she like went to listen. Um, and I had even made a joke with her, like at one of my prenatal appointments, like Janet, if, if I push this baby out and you tell me there's another one coming, I'm going to punch you in the face. And like, that was kind of like the, it was just kind of like a, a, a joke, you know, like we just didn't think there was two because we had done all these things to like listen. And, and so at 40 week or it was the day before my due date, um, I had scheduled, a an ultrasound just at this, it wasn't like at a hospital, it was just kind of a freestanding ultrasound place. Um, kind of the ones where they do like gender reveals and stuff like that. It wasn't like a clinical ultrasound place, uh, just to see, just to, you know, have her get in there and see position and see, um, just make sure there wasn't, there wasn't two. And we, the, the odds of that, we were like, Oh, like, five percent like there you know and so it was it was it was just kind of like a fun last date for my husband and I so we we went and we got the ultrasound this was um October 9th or October 8th the day before my due date and uh she went in there and she looked and she was like yeah there's just one and my husband was like but if there was two you would be able to see right she's like oh yeah 
just one. He's head down, oh, lots of hair. Uh, and so we were like, okay, great. And then the next day I had my, it was my due date and I had my uh, uh, appointment with my midwives and they walked in to my house and I was kind of on the labor, I was on the ball, on the labor ball. And um, I had had, I, I could just tell things were kind of starting to start. I had had a couple contractions. I had been having Braxton Hicks um, and a little bit of prodromal labor, but uh, they could tell I was uncomfortable. And I guess just throughout that appointment, they were there for about an hour and a half. Um, whatever they were seeing uh, as far as like how I was acting, they were like, okay, we're not, they had an appointment after mine, like an hour and a half away. And they texted me after they left and they were like, we're just going to go about 30 minutes away and just hang out for a little bit, do a little bit of work, eat some lunch. You let us know if anything progresses. I texted them like 30 minutes later and I was like, yeah, they haven't really let up. Uh, and, um, if they're still in my back and they were like, okay, time them for us. And so, I timed the contractions and they were three, uh, three minutes apart, about 45 seconds each. And they were like, okay, well, we'll head back in a little bit. And so, um, when they got here, they, so she had checked me that morning at my appointment and, uh, that was the first time I had her do a cervical exam. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't want any cervical exams prior to that just because, uh, that's another thing I think that, it, it can be such a mind game for the mom uh, mm -hmm. because if you get checked at 37 weeks and the baby's like, you know, a negative two station and like you're not dilated at all and your cervix is super hard, that can be discouraging, but it doesn't matter because you could literally be that at 41 weeks and then three hours later labor, you're like in transition, you know? And so I just don't think cervical checks are a super great indication that early. And so um, at 40 weeks at my 40 week exam, I, or, uh, my 40 week appointment, I did have her do an exam. Just, I just wanted to know. And, uh, I was three centimeters dilated that morning. And then when she got back to me, um, it was around one 30 when they got here in the, in the afternoon, uh, she checked me and I was four centimeters and I was like, okay, so like labor is, you know, it's where something's happening. And so they stayed and I just basically have a super long driveway. We have six acres. Um, and it was just, it was great. I, I put my sports bra on. I was walking outside. It was the most beautiful October day. I live in Texas. And so we don't really get winter here. We get like springtime weather for like four months. It's amazing. Uh, really the sun was, yeah, the sun was shining. I was bare belly, just walking out on my property, like doing my thing, like listening to my birth playlist. Um, I started to hang, I have, uh, birth affirmation and scripture cards that are actually uh, a free resource on my website if anybody is interested. But I started to hang those around my room and just kind of focus like that this could possibly be happening today. And it was, it was just so different from my hospital birth. It was so calm. And so just like trusting, they were just, they were hands off. They were like, you just do your thing, do what you want to do. And that was how it was until like way into the labor. It was just, it was amazing. Just the full trust of like that. I knew what I was doing. And so, um, later that, later that night, uh, it was around seven and, uh, she, you know, they're, they're checking in throughout this and having, having me, um, doing, what is it? The, like the, uh, vital assessments and things like that. Um, just to make sure that baby is still sounding good and everything was going great. And then, um, 
it was around, I think it was around 530. Uh, she uh, did another assessment and a, a heart heartbeat check. And uh, that was when she said I was seven centimeters. And so I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm about to, you know, like all of my labor was not in vain. Um, all of this work that I've done up until now was not in vain. And um, I was preparing to go into, into transition <laughs> or so I thought. And so uh, I had my husband blow up the birth tub. We got the water in the birth tub and I got in and it was just, I, I cannot express how amazing water is if you're trying to have a natural birth. It is just like the ultimate relief when you get into that water, uh, especially with back labor. And actually with this baby, I had um, gone to the chiropractor this whole this whole pregnancy for the first time and was hoping to that that would help back labor. Um and I wasn't having back labor at the beginning. And I was like, oh my gosh, this worked. <laughs> but worked. then it kept, it kept switching back and forth. Mm. And, you know, now I know why it's because there was two babies. So two positions. Um, and, but for the, you know, I was, so it was going back and forth between back labor and front labor and, and all that. And so uh, I did, I was kind of in and out of the water from about seven to about 10 that night. And she, my midwife could tell, um, she checked me again and I was still a seven and she could tell I was like getting a little discouraged, a little frustrated. Like, why is this not happening? Cause all of my previous transitions have been very fast. And, uh, I was like, what is like, you know, what is going on? And, uh, so she said, you know, I think you need to lay down and try and try and take a nap. And I was like, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> I am not laying down right now. I'm about to be, I'm about to have a baby, but like, I just trusted her. And so my husband and I laid down and I was actually able to get like a, a good, a good nap, like on and off and, you know, in between contractions. And my, my husband was able to get a little bit of rest too. And apparently that is like what my body needed. My body just needed me to get out of my head and just to relax. And that is what happened. I woke up around midnight and I had some of the most intense contractions. It, it was like three contractions back to back. And they were some of the most intense ones I had had up until then. I was vocalizing. I was like, it was, it was just totally different. And, and looking back, I think that the babies were moving. So they were head down at, at my ultrasound the day before, but they eventually were born of, uh, Frank breach. And I think that they were moving, um, my, the baby with hair, uh, moved out of position and let the other baby come down. And I think that that was just them turning. And that's why those contractions were so intense. Yeah. And then after that, it was like, go time. Like I, I woke my midwives up they were all sleeping in my living room. And I was like, um, if this continues, this is going to happen, you know, pretty soon. And so this was around 1230, and she got me on the birth stool and was having me birth on that. And the craziest thing, I wish, I wish that somebody would have taken a picture or a video of this. I was on the birth stool with my legs spread and I felt this like inflation from inside my body. It felt like something was coming out. It felt like a head without the pain. And I was like, Janet, what, like I was freaking out. I was like, what is that? What is that? What is that? And she looked down and she's like, oh, that's your bag of waters. Mm -hmm. And my bag of waters was coming out, but it was still intact. And it was kind of a humorous, it wasn't humorous in the, in the moment, but it was like looking back, like it, it's kind of funny. I was like, 
so worried about, cause it was just like inflating and coming out and it was, I mean, it's going to splash. Like I was like, it's going to go everywhere. And I was like, I was more concerned with like it going everywhere than like with just relaxing and letting it happen. And she was like, it's going to blow. Okay. It's okay. I was just picturing it like blowing on everyone. Cause I'm like spread Eagle, you know, like I'm on the burst stool. It's, and so I just pictured it going everywhere all over the walls. It did not, it just, it popped and it, you know, fluid came out and, but I wish I would have had a picture of that, like how crazy that probably looked to everyone that was looking at it. Uh, and I, I wish I would have thought like, Oh, look down, but I was just too concerned. (laughs) I was just too concerned about it. I wasn't sure what it was. (laughs) Yeah. And so she had, you know, she had the tarps down and stuff. And so after that, it really kicked into high gear and it was about 1am at this point and they refreshed my hot water. Uh, we were, we were like, we, we live in a 1970s farmhouse. The hot water heater does not give you that much hot water. And so they, they were actually having to make sure that the water was warm enough because babies, you know, they don't regulate their temperature super well. And so there was one point in my birth where the midwife was like, I'm not sure if we're going to have enough hot water for it to be safe for you to do this. And I was just having to kind of come to to grips with that, that this might not happen in the water, but praise the Lord. We were able to heat enough buckets of water and looking Mm -hmm. back, I'm like, why did I not get a water heater? Like a, I think it's something that you can like put into a pot and it just heats it really fast. And then you can dump it into the water. I don't think they make them for actual birth tubs because I looked, but anyway, there is some type of heating element. I'd I honestly, there was just an interview where the mom talked about that. There is some kind of, it may be that you have to buy a specific birth tub. A specific tub. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I was fascinated to hear that because, oh my gosh, that sounds revolutionary. Yes. And I totally, I mean, I didn't want to get, I I did know that they made tubs like that, but I just wanted like a separate element to just stick in the water and have it Mm -hmm. heated. I don't think they make those, but yeah, I wish I would have had something. So anyway, they were able to to get uh, enough hot water for it to be the right temperature. So I got back into the water. This was around 1 a.m. And so this was October 10th now. So I went into to labor on my due date, which was October 9th and then October 10th at 1 a.m. Um, and I'm just laboring in the tub. My husband is like right there with me doing counter pressure. Um, and it like makes me tear up because my midwife just like started looking around the room at all of my birth affirmation cards and my scripture cards. And she just started reading them to me and it was quiet and everyone was just watching me and just like letting me do my thing. Like it was just the experience was so different from being in the hospital and having them like, just like rushing around, trying to get stuff ready. It was just this like calm, just I can't even, it just gives me goosebumps. And so she's like speaking all of these scriptures and all of these affirmations over me and, um, around like, I think I was in the water for like 10, 15 minutes. I I told my midwife, I was like, I think I need to push. And she was like, okay, you know, you do that. And she just was just sitting there. I'm like, are you not going to like do it? No, she just like sat there and, and I just started to push and, you know, like five, five or six minutes of pushing, uh, outcomes comes our boy Silas. Uh, and she said, you just delivered him breach. Like he came, butt first. So and she didn't even, she didn't even like mention it to you while you were pushing. No, I don't think she was really down there. She, wow. she, yeah, she was just letting me do my thing. Um, she got down there like when he was starting to come out and she knew yeah. then, but yeah, she didn't tell me, I think maybe, 
I don't know. I don't remember if she said anything while I was pushing. That's kind of like a blur. Right. But uh, after he came out, she was like, you just delivered a, a breach, baby. You're amazing. Like mm-hmm. you are incredible. And um, it honestly didn't feel any different than pushing out a baby headfirst for me. Uh, like compared to my other births, it, it felt pretty much the same. It, it just the ring of fire is the ring of fire. And, um, but being able to have a baby in the water, what that was like my dream. And I finally was able to do it. And it was just amazing. I, it was just like this, this huge, just like relief after you push your baby out, you, it's like, you did it. Like you did it. You're a freaking superwoman. Like women are amazing. And so I had Silas <clears throat> on my chest. And so, you know, looking back at pictures and my husband took a little bit of like really terrible video. Like it was awful. I really wanted him to have like set up and film the birth. Cause I wanted a birth photographer, but again, more people in the birth space just kind of stresses him out. And so that was kind of like our, our compromise was he was just going to take pictures for me. And I really wanted him to like set up a video camera, but it didn't happen. And so he was just kind of like videoing with his phone. And I have a little bit of video of me vocalizing after I had Silas on my chest and I could see my belly. And I'm like, looking back, like there is not just a placenta in that belly. It is still, it is still like a pregnant belly. And I think at that point, my midwife was like, Okay. Like she didn't say anything to me Mm -hmm. because I think she knew that it would like stress me out, but she could just tell the way I was vocalizing my facial expressions. And I actually have her on video saying like, are you having another contraction? Like, uh, and it was just, it just was not afterbirth contractions. Um, they're just different. You still have contractions to deliver the afterbirth, but birth contractions are just way different. And, uh, so Silas was born at one twenty, and six minutes later, I have a contraction and felt the urge to push and just one push and out comes this black haired baby. Silas was totally bald. Out comes this black haired baby. And I hear my midwife say, we have a surprise twin. And he was also breach and, uh, but, uh, but first, so, um, Frank breach. And um, Wait, so was, was Silas Frank breach or was he like footling breach or something? They were both Frank. Both so Frank. footling is the one that can be a little bit dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they're Frank breach, it's butt first. And it, it's right. actually just kind of a variation of normal. It's really mm-hmm. not, it's not anything to be concerned about. It's not super unsafe to deliver a Frank breach baby. Right. Uh, and I did it with twins. So <laughs> and I did it twice <laughs> in yeah. a row. Booyah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's a, I have a question that when you pulled Silas out and you're snuggling him, did you think like, well, I thought he had hair. Like, was there any thought of that? No, I didn't. Honestly, no. I was just in like that euphoria of yeah. like I, my baby's here and they had put a cap on him too. So they put, uh, put uh, a hat. And so I don't think I really had uh, time to really process that thought. Uh so no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, okay. So a, a couple of questions with these with, okay. What did your second pushing phase feel like? Did it feel any different from the first? What was that like? Yeah, it was completely different. Um, I mean, I was still having the contractions and I had the urge to push, but it was six minutes apart. Like they were born six minutes apart. So it wasn't like 
a long labor, like it wasn't like a long labor process mm -hmm. uh, to get him out and pushing him out was like so easy. It felt like I, it felt like the placenta was coming out. Like, and that's why right. I think I didn't know. I didn't know until I saw him that there was another right. baby because it truly, I think you're already just so stretched out mm -hmm. that he just kind of, I really didn't push that hard. He just kind of fell out. Like he just kind of, it was super easy. I wish all birth, you know, could be like that, but yeah, he just kind of had the way paved for him and, and out he came and it was, it was super easy um, to, to so get the cool. second one out. Yeah. Yeah. So was there any need for, because the, the only difference with breach is that sometimes you may need like a little more stimulation or like mm -hmm. they may need a little oxygen or air. Was mm -hmm. there any of that or did they perk up just normally? No, not for the babies. Um, and the other thing that, uh, that I was concerned with was, um, the, so when you come through the birth canal, your lungs, you know, you get to the squeeze of your lungs, but I guess the same thing kind of happens with, with, with Frank breach too. And they were completely fine. They, they perked right up. They were crying. Gideon, my second, uh, the second baby came out crying. Um, mm. and I mean, outside of just like a little bit of suctioning, they didn't require anything. Um, I, on the other hand did <laughs> because uh, I lost about 20 pounds of fluid and placenta and all of that in about, you know, a, a very short time period. So I did require oxygen and mm. they were giving me some herbs, herbal tinctures. And, uh, she did have to get me, um, there was a, a little bit of retained placenta. And she said, if she didn't get that out, that my body would kind of just think that it needed to keep bleeding. And so yeah. she did have to get that out. And that was really uncomfortable. Man yeah. Manually. Yes. Yeah. So I was in the bed, they were working on me. So, so the babies were born, my husband was holding one and I have this picture <laughs> of us just like looking at each other, like what the heck just <laughs> happened. And so they get me in the bed. They, they let the cords stop pulsing and cut the cords, get me in the bed for me to deliver the placenta. And I'm the placenta is so big and hard. Like my midwife is palpating it. She tells her, she tells her assistant, give me the Doppler. And she like starts checking my belly um, to see if she could pull it. She can like hear another heartbeat. And my husband and I, that was, I think, I don't think I, I took a breath in that 30 seconds. Um, cause I don't know what I would have done if we would have had triplets. But, um, so anyway, uh, we, the placenta, I delivered the placenta. It was like three pounds of placenta wow. and it looked like one, but they're eventually figured out that there was two placentas. Um, and they were three pounds total. And so that's why, that's why it was so big. <laughs> My Lord. Um, so yeah. when you need, when you say that you needed help afterwards, you needed some oxygen and mm -hmm. they were trying to get your bleeding under control as well. Yeah. So I, I did need, I was just kind of pale. Uh, and so they had to give me some oxygen and that really, really helped. And they were also giving me, I don't even know what they were giving me, but it was like a bunch of herbal. Yeah. This is why I love midwives. Cause you don't have to think about it. They just know what to give you. Uh, you know, instead of like a shot of Pitocin on the thigh, they're using nature's nature's way of doing that. Uh, and they were giving me these tinctures, giving me oxygen. And then, yeah, she was like, she, she worked on me for about an hour to get that pl retained placenta out. Mm -hmm. And it was super uncomfortable, yeah. uh, because you're so tender down there, but I didn't tear. So I didn't have to have stitches or anything like that. Um, and my husband was just able to kind of snuggle the babies out in the living room. It was the middle of the night. So all my other kids were asleep mm -hmm. and, um, 
she finally got it out and I, I was resting in bed. And then I did get, I did get kind of dizzy when I first went to get up, uh, to go to the bathroom and I, um, they lowered me onto the, the bathroom floor. Mm. And I think part of that was blood sugar because they gave me a plate of lasagna and I was eating that like completely naked on my bathroom floor with like everybody around. I'm like, <laughs> birth is like the most humbling thing ever. Um, and I felt fine after that. I, I wasn't uh, faint or anything like that uh, after I ate. Uh, and then, yeah, just, I got to get back in my bed and just, snuggle my babies and nurse and sleep. And I didn't have constant beeping and monitoring and, and vital checks. I mean, they they checked my vitals and made, you know, the the midwives stay for a a period of time after you give birth, but it was just, it was a complete 180 from the hospital. And, and I think we're done, but uh, if we do ever have another baby, that is, that is what it will be is, is a home birth. And I, and I probably will get the 20 week ultrasound. (laughs) to see, you know, yes, cooking in there. Yeah. I would love to know what was, what was the reaction of your children when they wake up (laughs) to siblings? (laughs) Yeah, they were so sweet. They came in the next morning and, um, I don't remember which baby I was holding, but I think I was holding Gideon. And so they came over and I was like, look at the baby. Like, isn't he so sweet? And Silas or whoever, whichever one I wasn't holding was in the, uh, crib in the mini crib that mm-hmm. we only had one. And, uh, I was like, now go look in the crib. And they went over there and they were just like, I have one daughter who's super, super shy. So she was just kind of like smiling and like looking at me. And then my oldest daughter, Sayla was just like, what? Like there's <laughs> two. And then my son is he's three or he was, he had, was still two at that point. And he, he, he had no idea what was going on. He was probably like running around hitting things or something, but the, my daughters were like super surprised and it was just a really sweet moment. Um, and we were like, we had two, like there was two babies inside of mommy's tummy. Isn't that amazing? Like, look what the Lord did. Like it was just, it was amazing. That is incredible. I mean, I just, Oh, I love the fact that, you know, you went, it's like, go big or go home, Elizabeth. Like, (laughs) all right, we're going to do this home birth. Let's just add breach twins. Why not? Why not? Let's just make it fun. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a pretty, it's a pretty crazy story. And, and people, people still ask me like, can you believe you have twins? I don't think it's something that I'll ever get over, like seeing two babies and the fact that they are fraternal. Um, Gideon is like me just as a baby, like dark hair, dark complexion, um, super expressive, super, um, personality. And then Silas is like my husband. He's just like light hair. Uh, just, they're just, they're two separate, completely different babies in, in every aspect, in every sense of, of the word. Like it's just, it's crazy to me. And I don't think I will ever get over that there are two of them or that I had surprise home birth twins in 2020. (laughs) Yeah. In 2020. Now, I guess my other question is since you were pretty weak after that, I guess you didn't get to punch Janet in the face. No, I did not. No, I did. Unfortunately, did not get that. No, I'm just kidding. She, I would not have. She, she was amazing. She, yeah. I mean, there has to be some, some kind of, I don't even know. I don't know how she felt. I, I don't know if she felt kind of embarrassed or, but there has to yeah. be some, oh, some, some, a little sense of like, how did I not see, like, how did I not catch that? She's been a midwife for 40 years. Yeah. Um, it just happened. But, I mean, and that, yeah, that just, well, 
was how it was supposed to be clearly, exactly. you know, like, and that's what I, that's what I was saying because so looking back, they were, they were tucked behind one another and that's mm-hmm. why she never felt another one and she could never feel or hear the heartbeat. So they were just tucked one on top of the other. Right. And, um, looking back, I'm like, I'm so thankful. I didn't know because there would have been all of these, you know, she probably wouldn't have wanted to, to do things the same way. Like Mm -hmm. I might've had to birth at a a birth center or, you know, they, they probably wouldn't have let me on to 40 weeks. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm even, even finding out at the ultrasound that there was two, like if we would have found out that there was two that day, how stressful would that have been for me? Like, Oh my gosh, tomorrow's my due date. And I'm going to have twins. Like that would have been such a mental thing. So I, I don't think that there was any part of it that happened into the way it should not have happened. And I, I'm thankful that it happened the way it did. I think you were all protected in that. That was just clearly by the Lord's design. And I just, I don't know. I just can't get over. I've always thought, well, if I had twins, I would hope that it would be a surprise because, you know, it depends state to state. I'm not sure what Texas's rules and regulations are, but, you know, in South Carolina, where I am, twin births are not typically done in home. Mm -hmm. So it, I've always thought, well, if I had a twin, I would definitely want it to be a surprise secret twin. So <laughs> live that out. That's so. yeah. Oops. Didn't know there was two in there. Like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And once again, like just the fact that you did have an ultrasound, like mm-hmm. you did, there was yeah. just one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I think that's just, that just, it just goes to show like it was just meant to happen the way it happened. And, you know, my story is not maybe what other people would, would want for their story, but I, I'm so thankful for it. So I love it. Oh man. Well, Elizabeth, do you have any, you know, further just encouragement for other moms who are maybe on on the fence of giving birth at home? You know, they've had hospital births and they're just not sure what to do. What, what would you say to those mothers? I would say just truly take a minute to think about what you want your birth to look like. And if you have had previous hospital births, is that what you want your birth to look like and your postpartum period to look like? And if the answer is no, then consider home birth because it's, it is safe. Um, women have been doing this for thousands of years and, we were made to do this. And, uh, there are, there are times when medical intervention is needed, but, but usually even with interventions, midwives can handle it and midwives are capable. And, uh, if you're a first time mom and you are considering a home birth, um, I would just, (laughs) I would say, to, to really do your research. Um, the business of being born is a really great documentary that I watched with my first, um, that just talks about kind of like the maternal system in the U S and, uh, kind of how you're always just kind of on a timetable once you are in, in that process. And so I, I would highly recommend watching that as a first time mom, that, that is a super helpful resource. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. Well, one last time, if you would love to, or if you'd be willing to give out your information, where people can find you, where they can find your uh, free birth affirmations, that would be so appreciated. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at purely Parsons with an S on the end. Uh, and 
I have a website that is just www.purelyparsons.com. And those affirmation cards are free. If you go to my website and there, I think there's a goodie free goodies tab, but if you scroll all the way down on the homepage, there is a spot where you can fill out to sign up for my email list, which is 0% active at this point. But (laughs) someday I plan to maybe start sending out emails. But um, if you subscribe to the email list, you will get those, that download for free. And it's um, just the ones that I designed and used for my birth and it's there's affirmations and then there's also um, some scriptures uh, so amazing I cannot thank you enough for coming on the happy home birth podcast for sharing your super unique stories it was such an honor thank you so much Elizabeth absolutely thank you so much for having me Caitlin it's uh, it's been fun to kind of like relive it seven months later so I, I I had fun can you imagine that experience The shock of thinking you're pushing out a placenta, but then being handed a second baby? Absolutely incredible. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I wanted to focus on a few things that came up. Number one, I love that Elizabeth brought up the ridiculousness of due dates. Number one, they're not even a good average for first-time births. And number two, why? Why must we assign this additional stress to our bodies and our babies when they're simply just trying to grow and work together? Next, Elizabeth brought up some great points regarding the immediate postpartum and just how not conducive the hospital can be to bonding and not even conducive to healing or establishing our milk supply. Nutrition is so important and Jell-O just doesn't really cut it. You know, unless it's grass-fed gelatin made at home, which is actually my favorite. Next, one of my favorite aspects of Elizabeth's final labor was when her midwife so tenderly read her affirmation and scripture cards to her. I'm sure it was such an encouraging moment during her labor. And finally, my friends, birth is a mystery Sometimes it unfolds similarly to what we expect, and other times we birth a surprise second breech baby. No matter how it presents itself, pun intended, birth is so beautiful and so transformative. And mamas, we can do amazing things. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. Before you hop off, would you take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram stories? Tag Happy Home Birth Podcast and Purely Parsons and tell us your favorite takeaway from this episode. And I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast. 